Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you, wrapping up another week, another um, uh, another opportunity to reflect into the beauty of the Christian and Catholic faith. Tonight, Friday night, is uh, Scripture for Sunday, where we have the opportunity to get into the gospel that comes to us from uh, the, the Sunday Mass. And I am doing this tonight with Debbie Rosales. Debbie, it is good to have you with me tonight. Thank you for having me, Joe. Debbie is a parishioner over at St. John the Baptist Catholic Church, as well as a catechist, so uh, she's pretty informed on matters of Scripture, so I thought it would be good to have her uh, with me. And in fact, from this point onward, we see here, Debbie, you will be with me every other week, and I will also have Deacon Ray Helgeson, uh, who is a catechist himself, um, and he is a wonderful, wonderful man with, with insight, and he will be joining me every other week. So it'll be kind of a um, a rotation between you and Deacon Ray, and I'm very much looking forward to this, so thank you for joining me. I, I do appreciate the gift of your time. You. Debbie, speaking of time, this is a long gospel. Yes, <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> what I want to do is we are going to offer up an abridged version of this gospel. This is the Samaritan woman, um, and I'll just say off the top, uh, this is by far the most intense catechesis in all of the gospels. Certainly that the passion narrative is is the longest narrative, but even if you were to break that up, the Samaritan woman, it kind of stands by itself. It's very long. We would probably be here for the whole 27 minutes just reading. <laughs> <laughs> now our listeners are like, oh gosh, it's going to be a long gospel for Sunday. <laughs> so we're going to offer up an abridged version and then really draw, um, pull out a couple of key points to reflect upon. So um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about uh, the subject matter that comes from this rich, rich episode. So why don't you get us going, Debbie? Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where, then, can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give 
will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you, people say, that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You, Your people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Amen. Thanks, Debbie. So, as there are so many different pieces to this reading, I just would like to start, really, Debbie, with with some of the opening verses there that you read, uh, and the fact that we have Christ needing to pass through Samaria. Christ had to pass through Samaria. So the question that begs to be asked is, why did Christ have to pass through Samaria? You know, why do we have to go through Orland, you know, (laughs) ever going another direction? Something's going on here. And certainly, this takes up the beauty of the unity of the two Testaments, because ultimately, it gets into the heart of the whole promise fulfillment structure of the faith. Why? Well, if you go back into the Old Testament, we know that God's chosen people become the 12 tribes of Israel. As you just read first, Debbie, uh, Jacob, the, the, the father of Israel. So, he had these, these sons, 12 sons, they become the head, right, heads of 12 tribes. These are God's chosen people. So, as we read through First and Second Kings, what we see is that ultimately there's a break, there's a fracture. Um, there were mixed signals, if you will, um, from Solomon to his son. So, there's an exchange between two figures, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And ultimately, in those mixed signals from Solomon to his son, he did not communicate maybe the best ways in how to handle uh, situations. Certainly, this, the, the, the most important situation that comes up in 1 Kings 9, 10, 11 is, uh, you know, how to handle uh, finances. This was part of it. So, he, he seeks the elderly of the wise. Nope. He seeks the elderly <laughs> of, of, of those who are not wise. And so, in this exchange between Jeroboam and Rehoboam, there's a confusion. And ultimately, you have 10 tribes, 10 tribes break from, uh, that is, the tribe of the Lion of Judah, ultimately. So, they go up north. 
So you have 10 tribes in the Old Testament go up north. And what happens is they begin to worship false gods. I can hear our listeners out there. Well, what were the two tribes? The two tribes were Judah and Benjamin. This is why we say the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Judah and Benjamin. And historically, if you really want to get specific about this, this really is, Debbie, where the prophets begin to emerge because they're calling essentially the north back. They're, they're, they're calling the south to unite. There's this constant call to reunite the 12 tribes. So what does this have to do with Samaria? Well, uh, they went to worship uh, upon uh, Mount Gerizim, which is in Samaria. So now, uh, once you begin to worship false gods, you are a harlot, right? This is why there's so much harlotry image, prostitution image in the Old Testament. Uh, why is uh, bride and bridegroom the richest analogy in the Old Testament? Um, ultimately, because there was this break that we have, and, and ultimately all these prophets began to speak in this language. So, you have two tribes who are faithful, Judah and Benjamin go to the south, and then these ten other tribes, they go up to Mount Gerizim, Samaria. And because so, they become essentially those on the outside of covenant life. But following the prophets, we know, especially in Jeremiah 31, we know that when the Messiah comes, he will reunite the 12 tribes. This is why beautifully Matthew talks about how the 12 apostles judge the 12 tribes, because ultimately they represent that kind of uh, tribal reconciliation, if you will. So, for all of that, for our Lord to go to just not a woman, that was scandalous in of itself, but a Samaritan woman. Wow. Who, who was ostracized without, within her own Samaritan community? Right? I, I mean, this is scandalous. But he needed to pass through Samaria because he is the Son of God. He has come to reunite the 12. And if he's going to reunite the 12, where does he need to go? It's interesting. This well, traditionally, we have is at the base of the mountain of Mount Gerizim, where they worshipped. And if you think there isn't importance to the well, where did God meet uh, Moses? Where did God meet Isaac? Where did God meet Jacob? At the well. Right? And when he met them at the well, he was establishing this covenant with them. So when he meets this Samaritan woman at the well, what he's saying is, I've come to reestablish and renew God's covenant with man. And it's no longer this national tribal covenant. It's now universal. It now includes all people, right? Gentile, Jew, Greek alike. So yeah, he had to pass through Samaria. And what's more here, Debbie, and, I, and I, when I first came across this, and I, and I think this was Origen, uh, one of the church fathers, now there's this exchange about husbands between our Lord and the Samaritan woman. And she brings up five husbands. She says, ah, yes, ah, yes, I, I know you have five husbands. What is he talking about? Well, she had five husbands. She struggled with marriages. Historically, we attribute that as a fact, all right? But it's a symbolic of something much deeper. 
because the Samaritan people worshipped not one, not two, three or four, but five pagan gods. And in the Old Testament, those gods are identified as Baals, B-A-A-L-S. And when you translate that, Debbie, in the Hebrew, literally it means husband. You see, when our Lord encounters the Samaritan woman and he talks about the five husbands, yeah, she struggled personally. But he's saying, (laughs) forget about those husbands, right? You have a new husband, me, you see. And, And when all of this language of worshiping in spirit and truth, this new mountain, it's so rich. It's so rich. Um, For all of that, there is, I think, another point and a deeper point behind this. So, okay, Christ had to pass through Samaria to do what? Restore the 12 tribes. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, he goes into history and he says, this is who you were, and now I'm showing you (laughs) where you are called to go. And I believe, in my heart of hearts, Debbie, that you, me, and everyone else out there need to pass through Samaria, if you will. Why? Well, we all have our hurts. We all have our pains. And if we are going to be restored, if we are going to rediscover our original identity, we need to pass through the Samaria in our heart. It's going to be painful. And there's no doubt. I mean, I know our listeners out there, all of us, Debbie, all we, we have hurts, we have pains, uh, and, and the, this is difficult for many of us. And for many of us, it's what holds us back. But this is why Christ goes through Samaria. He must. He yes. must. Yes. Um, it's so touching and, and emotional even to think about our Lord's infinite and perfect love for this woman, this hurting woman, that he comes to town, sends the disciples in to buy some food so that he can have one-on-one encounter with her as he desires with each one of us in our hurt. Not, uh, you know, she was in the midst of her hurt. She didn't have to get all perfect to encounter Jesus. Mm. He came to her in her sinfulness and her pain um, and that, that, that's what he does and wants and desires for each one of us. It's a beautiful, beautiful imagery. And you know, Debbie, it's interesting. She is a woman. Um, and so again, go, going into history now, the perception would have been richly Samaritan. Yes, but also woman. she was richly impure. Right. Okay. So I, as you're talking about this, yeah, I mean, let us, let us appreciate the dynamic of what you're saying right now. I mean, she's richly impure. He's sharing water with her? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean come on. What are you mm-hmm. doing? Or Jesus, yeah. stop. What are you doing? And it is interesting. You're saying, you know, he sends the apostles away. This is a one-on-one encounter. No intrusion. You know, I mean, how often have our most profound moments happened in our own lives when it was just you know, me and Jesus, or you and Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the one-on-one. Mm-hmm. It's the, yes. and, and that's what God desires, the one-on-one. And what does she see? It, you know, you, you play with these verses and it's fun. In verse uh, 15, 
our Lord is from the Samaritan woman to her. The address is, sir. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, sir. I'm, and I'm sure she's taken back by this sir who's entered into her, uh, you know, her muck and her mire. Verse 19, in four verses, Debbie, in four <laughs> verses, he's now a prophet. Yeah. You know? Okay, then you, you fast forward and verse 29, he's no longer sir. He's no longer prophet. He's Christ. He's the anointed one. You know, prophet is, um, you know, mouthpiece for God is the imagery. Um, literally means bad mouth because, you know, people didn't like you. you know? <laughs> I think that's where that word phrase comes from. So 15, sir, 19, uh, prophet, 29, Christ. And then in verse 42, towards the end there, he's savior. He's savior. This is what happens when we spend time with God. We come to see the beauty and the scope of what this encounter looks like, and it enables us, Debbie. It, it gives us encouragement and strength, that which is necessary to be able to pass through Samaria. And this isn't, I think you made the note, Debbie, um, before we started with regards to other Samaritan encounters. Yes. I mean, he's, he's highlighting this for a reason. Right. Most definitely. Yeah, the, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. And it, when we talk about the Good Samaritan, it's just not an act, a good act. You know, I, did you do your Good Samaritan act for the day? Oh, yes, I helped someone change their tire. Good for you. My question is, and I don't take away anything from an act like that because I could stand to pull off the side of the road probably more often. But what Christ wants us to see is something much deeper because the Samaritan, that person, is the one that you despise. And I would even say hate. Mm-hmm. The person who you cannot dream of forgiving of and or reconciling with. Uh, the person you avoid. Mm-hmm. That's the Samaritan in, in, in your life. And what must we do? What did Christ do? We must pass through that Samaria, if you will. Very important. Uh, lest we begin to isolate ourselves. You know, Pope Francis recently was talking about getting out of our comfort zone. He Mm -hmm. spoke to this beautifully in his document on the joy of the gospel. We need to get out of our comfort zones. We need to get out of this, this, this easing and settling into what is so nice and convenient. We need to get up off our couch and pass through Samaria. And I, and, and I'm just not talking about a geographic location. This is, this is an interior journey, and that interior journey is, uh, is a necessity. It's very important. I loved how you said um, earlier about um, going back and healing, you know, that Jesus is going back and reconciling and healing, and that each one of us in our lives need to bring our Jesus, need to bring our Savior back into those experiences and look at them with the eyes of Jesus and, and say, Lord, what is, you were here with me. What is it that, why, why did I go through this? Beautiful. Or he'll meet us there mm-hmm. at that, our own well, mm-hmm. our own well, with such love. No judgment. Does yeah. he ever judge her? No. Such gentleness, such love. Yeah. Yeah, like that to the, to the, um, the woman caught in adultery. Uh, sin no more. Mm-hmm. 
means sin no more. And, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You, you've encountered the wonder and the beauty of truth. Sin no more. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard for me, Debbie. I mean, it's hard for all of us to, to bring Jesus into those most painful moments. Sure. That is hard. Sure. No, 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 no. That's, that's hard. We can't do that. You're not saying that, Joe. Actually, Jesus is saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he wants us to be whole. You know, yes. be, you know, be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. In the, the Greek, it's be whole like my Father in heaven is whole. You know, and and it's this is what we need to move towards that process of reconciliation. And the fact of the matter is, Debbie, you you mentioned the word healing. I had mentioned the word forgiveness. Forgiveness is the outgrowth of healing. We need to heal first, yeah. right? Because it's the in God moment that that comes first. It's this new identity in Christ first. Mm-hmm. Then we have uh, the new goal. Then we have the for other. Then we have the forgiveness. Right? Because in that healing, we are right with God. God has transformed us. God transformed the Samaritan woman. Yes. I mean, I wish we had another 30 minutes to really break open into some of these more verses because it's fascinating. And it's so fun when you see God encounter these, these different people in history and what they want to do. They just want to explode. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's the Holy Spirit in them, you know? And and why not? Yeah, I mean, they just encountered the beauty and the wonder of truth. And what a profound transformation. The woman caught in adultery, this Samaritan woman, and any, any person that our Lord encountered, there was, there were some deep wounds, mm. a lot of pain. All of us have deep, deep wounds that we need to give to God. Yeah. We, we do. And if we want to be free, then... We have to allow Christ in, in, into those inner recesses of the heart where we keep our little Samaria, if you will. Um, which means, you know, Debbie, there's an important verse going back. I think it was verse um, 14. But whoever drinks, let's see, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in, in him. In him, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, we want to um, we want to bring down eternity. You know, eternity is a word that has fallen into a kind of disuse. You know, I was fumbling through some notes from a while back, and I found this great quote from Hegel, a philosopher. Um, it's a great quote because he highlights what's so wrong about when we don't live for heaven. He says, "Wasting on heaven the treasures the treasures destined for earth." He says, we waste on heaven the treasures that are destined for the earth. He wants us to distance ourselves from the heavens, from eternity. And the point here is, well, what happens when we do that, Dev? I mean, what's going on? (laughs) Life itself, human suffering, everything and anything becomes immensely absurd and ridiculous, right? Uh, Only in light of eternity do these things make sense. Only in light of Christ does the life of this Samaritan woman make sense. She was living in a horrific situation. Her human situation was horrible, right? She has this encounter, and then she uh, is transformed, and she's now living for eternity. I love, uh, a few weeks ago, we had a reading where Jesus challenges us 
what good is it for you to love those who love you? Don't mm. the pagans do that? Mm. It was such a challenge for each one of us. It's easy to love folks who are easy to love. And Jesus is going, that's not the mark of my disciple. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. the mark of my disciple is he or she who can love their enemy, who can love the ostracized, who can see the hurting and love them, embrace them, be Christ for them. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, that is the mark of a disciple. Amen. Yeah, St. Augustine, I think of St. Augustine says, yeah, those are the miserly. He uses the word miserly. Yeah, I'm going to get something out of this relationship, so I'm going to love them. What's in it for me? And well said, Debbie, ultimately to bring that back into play, because this is what lies at the heart of this. He goes to the one who's on the margin. And during Lent, this is what we need to be mindful of. You know, there's so much to talk about, but I thought we could focus in on what we did today because it draws out uh, the great Lenten theme of engaging um, those places in our heart that we have forgotten about, that we need to engage, that have impacted us, mm. that have impacted us. I mean, it'd be a mistake not to address this too. You know, as I'm thinking about this, Debbie, when we allow God to heal, the way in which that very difficult moment in our past has impacted us, there's a new freedom. I mean, there we can spread our wings. Freedom yes. can operate in the soul in such a way where we can now fly to truth, you know, yeah. as opposed to be, you know, entrapped in fear. And this is the wonder of Romans eight fifteen that we did not fall back into a uh, spirit of uh, slavery and fear, but we we received the spirit of of adoption, where we, where we cry, Abba, Father. We must be free. And if we're going to be free, we need to allow Christ to invade our souls and so that we can love, love those, love those people who simply just go unloved. Mm-hmm. Now, how many times did a, did a uh, Mother Teresa talk about it? You know, I yeah, I mean, the great it, poverty of America yep. is a lack of love. Yep. It's not. So what, what is that poverty here in Chico? There's, there's lots, I mean, I, and I, Paradise, you know, Megalia, Orville, Corning, our listeners, where they're at, Yuba City, wherever they're at, where is that? Maybe it's a, a local convalescent home. Oh, the poverty of loneliness. It reeks there. And we need to be that friendship that can, we need to bring Christ. We need to restore ourselves, be disposed, and bring Christ to those people. Um, they, if we're going to pass through Samaria to be right with God, Debbie, we need to pass through our convalescent homes. I mean, this is the kind of very concrete thing that I'm talking about. And it's not easy. I've had people tell me, that's, that's not my gig, Joe. You're going to have to pass through somewhere. <laughs> Let it be a place like, I mean, this is what Christ is challenging us with. And I think you say it well, you know, I mean, it's as Christ says it, it's, it's, it's ultimately... Uh, loving those who who don't love you. We're out of time, Deb. We need to wrap up. This is 27 minutes flies by. Thanks for joining me. It was great. And certainly we're going to have many more opportunities in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God bless you. You've been listening to Seeds of Truth. 
Heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.